You know, leadership is about a choice. It's not a title. You have to want to do this. You have to want to serve others. You have to want to elevate others. You have to want to nurture others. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And I am here today with Sasha Kaufman. He's here from halfway around the world in Australia, and I am delighted to have him here. Sasha has had a diverse career spanning 25 years working as a business leader and experienced consultant. He's a coach, a facilitator, and he has worked with top-tier global consulting firms. He is a two-time founder of two private Ventures. One I want to talk about today. He shared a little bit about it before we got started, built labor. And then also he's worked with diverse audiences from senior executives to new graduates. And he is at his best when inspiring individuals, teams, and organizations to grow. He wants to talk, as he said before we got started, all things leadership, everything from mindsets to behaviors to great performance. We're going to try to cover it all as fast as we can. Please welcome to the show, Sasha. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good afternoon to you or good evening. Um, it is 9.20 a.m. here in Melbourne, um, and it's really great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I had a bucket list trip to Australia, and Melbourne was not one of my stops. We went to Oh, the... that's a shame. That's a shame. I know. That's, that's what I say. <laughs> what time of year did you get down here? We came when it was summertime, and we Beautiful. went to the Whitsundays. Did, yeah. the, did that thing, and then we went to Sydney, and then we had yeah. to go home, and it was very yeah. sad. <laughs> All you Americans, you, you you come down here and you go to Sydney, and um, those few that come to Melbourne kind of say, you know what? I don't know why Melbourne isn't higher on the agenda for more for more people back home. It is. It's. I think it's the best city in Australia, but of course, I'm biased, right? Uh, well, you are. And do you, if you get the guest room ready, because I'm coming, I'm coming to visit you. Excellent. Beautiful. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Love yeah. to have you. Oh, that's great. All right. So um, one thing I want to talk about um, is this thing. He did the startup and he right now is acting as a consultant, a coach and working with all sorts of companies. But he did a startup with one of his buddies, which I think is very cool. And I want you to share that story about Build Labor. And you can find it on Instagram at Build Labor. So we talk about that and how you guys got that going, because both you and I want to help people be employed and have fabulous careers. That's, we have that in common. Absolutely. Yeah. Career has been uh, career management has been a passion of mine. And, um, you know, it was a passion because I made a number of mistakes early on in my career and I didn't have good direction and I didn't have good people around me to, to sort of help and guide me. I, lo I lost my mum when I just graduated from university and she was probably my biggest inspiration. So that was a, a huge gap for me. And I stumbled around pretty early on, despite, you know, being a great performer at university. So I've always had this deep passion and enthusiasm for, you know, what drives people to certain careers and then how do they get there? Uh, just prior to Build Labor, I think I mentioned before the show that, you know, I started a, an, a learning and development consulting firm all geared around helping people take the educational pathways to take that next step, whether it be up, sideways, or even out. And Build Labor is um, something dedicated to the construction industry here in Australia. The blue collar construction worker, like 
probably globally doesn't have the digital online professional presence like you know us white collar workers do. Um, so for them, finding work online is really difficult. You know, they they don't typically have resumes and CVs. They're very reliant on their immediate networks. And that's a challenge for these guys then to find not only a job, but the right job or the best job, you know, something that, you know, really uh, excites them and stimulates them. On the organizational side too, you know, they have no problems reaching out through LinkedIn and similar networking sites to find the white collar construction workers. But because of that lack of digital online presence, they couldn't find the blue collar. And so my buddy and I got together with my passion and experience in career and business and his, you know, 10 plus years working in construction as a project manager, incredibly frustrated at the inability to find and source good labor. We came up with the idea of Build Labor, which is a digital online marketplace dedicated to the blue collar construction workers, where we give them a tool similar to LinkedIn, but but much more relevant for them, um, smartphone-based, that enables them to create a very simple bio with all of their relevant tickets and qualifications and short courses, availability for work, locations for work, and then helps organizations find them and connect with them. And it's been it's been a journey. You know, we we sort of started it just before COVID. And, you know, being a startup founder is always challenging but when you have COVID and the inability to then go to work and connect in with your business partner um, it made things tough but thankfully we we got some VC backing and we were able to accelerate and we went out and tested the market and and it's exciting it's exciting about what build labor can become it, we're still in the very early stages and as I as I said before we started I'm not actively working in it so for me being a tech uh, CEO is not where I want to play. I love the idea and I want that business to grow, but there are better people. There are better leaders who can actually, you know, uh, take that role of a, a tech CEO and grow the business. My passion um, is in leadership, consulting, coaching, and facilitating. And, and thus that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's where I spend my time. Mm, that's fantastic. I just love the idea of an app for folks in construction. I just think yeah. that's fantastic. So um, just just think about that, everybody listening. That is a major opportunity because it's the same thing uh, here in North Carolina where I'm at. All right. Well, I want to ask you a question I ask everybody who's on the show. Mm. What is your definition of leadership? Yeah, look, I, I, I get asked this probably every day. Um, oh, good. You probably yeah. have a great answer then. You've been practicing. Yeah. Um, and look, <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, I guess the, the staples of my answer always change, but perhaps how I, how I say it and where I focus may, may differ. But, you know, for me, you know, leadership is about serving others. Um, you know, I have the belief that I win when others win. Unlike management, which is about doing things right, um, leadership is doing the right thing. Um, and that's, that's a quote that I actually want to reference. That's Peter Drucker um, or Drucker. Oh, um, I'm who, a Drucker who many, person. Who, I love yeah, Drucker. Yeah, exactly. So people who, who know leadership, you know, know Peter um, and he's one of many of my mentors. Um, it's a relentless focus on the three O's. It's a focus on ourselves. It's a focus on others and it's a focus on outcomes and last but not least, I think leadership for me is a choice. It's not a title. People choose to be leaders 
if they serve those other aspects that, that I believe are absolutely critical to leadership. Mm, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Mm. Okay. So when you sit down with a leader, mm. how do you help them see themselves? You know, Sasha, I've got this wonderful, powerful question that I ask leaders I work with. It's what is it like to experience you? And it mm. almost stuns some leaders because they're like, I never thought about that. And it's like, well, you should. So mm. when when you're sitting with leaders and you're trying to get them to uh, see how they lead, so that they could see the opportunities, the possibilities mm. for for even you know bigger, grander, more amazing, more vibrant leadership. Uh, how, how do you help people take a look in the mirror with what's going on with their leadership? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, one of the core aspects to being a good leader is curiosity, um, and I mm-hmm. use that word uh, on a daily basis. It's probably my my most most used word. Uh, there has to be an openness and a willingness to want to look at, you know, myself and kind of go, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I like? What don't I like? What am I good at? Where do I still have some development opportunities? Um, all in the hope of, you know, being a better person quite holistically. Um, so it's a conversation and, you know, I often use storytelling. So when I'm sitting down in a coaching role or even facilitating, I do use a lot of stories. Um, and like I said uh, earlier, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes early in my career. And a lot of that was down to, you know, losing mum at a very challenging time, you know, starting your career post-college or university. And, you know, you're still young and naive and you don't really know what the big wide world is like. So for me, it's, it's about that vulnerability. And I can't ask for vulnerability from someone else unless I show and share my own vulnerability. Um, and so that is talking about not only my, my, my triumphs and my big wins, of which I'm blessed and I've, I've had quite a few, but it is also about talking about the challenges that I've been through and helping people relate and see me as a person. I, I come from the belief that we are all imperfect and we will always, always be imperfect. So, you know, the never stop learning mantra is very, very real to me, but I can't ask that of others unless I show and share myself. So, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm quite an open, open person, happy to, to, to be vulnerable and talk about my most challenging times. But also then from the learnings, you know, the, what did I get out of those, those challenging times and where did I grow? And I believe that most of our growth comes from the dark times. You know, we become complacent when things are just always good and always fine, right? We don't sit, we don't reflect, we don't really think, we don't talk to our friends, our mentors, uh, our family when things are just going great. But hopefully we do when things aren't. So for me, that's where the learning comes in. So. Yeah, that's um that's pretty much my approach in in coaching and facilitation. Yeah, yeah. So don't miss what he said, everybody. Um, the first thing was, uh, if you want to be a fantastic uh, leader, you're gonna first of all have to get curious, and the first person you get curious about is the first O, ourselves, yourself, the leader himself, herself, right? And then I love what you said about stories. Um, in fact, I love stories too. I'm right there with you, and I think that leaders 
have 10 stories they need to get straight. And they also need to pull in the people that work for them and say, these are the stories we're going to tell. So I love what he said there. The third thing uh, that you said was to share, you know, just not the successes, but like not have such a big fat ego that you can't share the vulnerable stuff. Like, oh my gosh, I totally messed up with this. Let me tell you what I did. And I'm never doing that again. You know, we love a leader who is relatable. So I I love your approach uh, to getting leaders to open up. So three nuggets right there. Thank you, Sasha, for that. All right. That's okay. So, so leaders have to focus on others. All right. So, so how, you know, I swear to you, I, I have a lot of leaders. They're very good at like their trade or their job description, but like the communication piece, the really taking good care of their people part, it's a struggle. Because their yeah. numbers, you know, usually you get to the C-suite, you're, you know, you got the numbers and the P&L and the budget and the CFO and the whatever, uh, KPIs, all these really, and this is all really important stuff. But none of that stuff, you know, is fantastic without great people. So you got to love on your people. So how do you help leaders or what is your advice to leaders to focus on others? What do they need to be doing? Yeah. Um, again, it starts with a focus first on ourselves. So the first O, um, you know, if we don't know ourselves like intimately and through the knowledge and feedback from others that we know, like, trust, work with, etc., cetera, uh, it is very hard for us to be able to focus on others in a really authentic way. So that time spent understanding self is is absolutely critical before then you can you can spend time understanding and working with others. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk about leaders who are great at their trade. I come back to my definition of leadership as well, or, or Peter Drucker's uh, definition of the difference between management and leadership, you know, where management is people who can do things right. They can execute their trade really well. Leadership is doing the right thing. It's making the tough calls. It's, it's, um, it's, it's helping to serve others, to lift others up, to nurture others and, and, and so forth. This also gives me a, a sort of a flashback to my role. I worked with one of Australia's major top four banks some time ago as their global head of talent. And, you know, we were promoting really good bankers um, into massive leadership positions. And exactly as you said, you know, these guys and girls were incredible at their trade. They were fantastic institutional bankers. And through that great performance in that role, they were elevated into roles that then suddenly they inherited, you know, teams of 50, 100, 200 people and were expected to perform similarly well. And the bank had a huge issue um, like many organizations are seeing today around talent retention. You know, these guys were so great and loved and were passionate about their role, but leading others was not what they wanted to do. They were transactors. They weren't necessarily people leaders. And there is a huge difference. Like I said, you know, leadership is about a choice. It's not a title. You have to want to do this. You have to want to serve others. You have to want to elevate others. You have to want to nurture others. Um, and that often means that you're not doing a lot of the executing. In fact, you shouldn't be doing much of the executing yourself. You should be reliant on really good people, often even smarter people than you, um, who are experts in their subject 
area to, to be doing a lot of that execution, but your role is to guide them, to lead them, to nurture them. So organizations, many that I work with, we see this same thing happening today. That was many years ago at the bank, uh, but it's still happening today. Um, you know, kind of really good managers, but being put into the leadership role with the organization's misunderstanding of really what it takes to, to make a great leader. Yeah. And so this is what I just heard you say is that you, you got to, again, go back to the first O, which is take a look at yourself. Are you leading or are you managing? And get mm-hmm. really clear, go rewind this and go listen to what Sasha said about the difference. Uh, get you a good Peter Drucker book um, and do this. Get yourself to the Drucker Institute sometime. Peter Drucker has popped off the planet, but uh, he wrote, I think he wrote 56 books after he was 66 wow, or something that like that. Yeah, it, it's a it's an enormous thing. You're like, Amazing. Anyway, I know I've so, read. I know I've read a lot of them. I, I don't know. Right. It's, it's it's fifty or sixty. Um, it's but, a uh, huge he's, amount. He's he's great. He's great. You know, he's he's one of one of many um, fantastic leaders, um, but also great authors too. You know, again, it's it's two different skill sets: being a leader and being an author. And you know, I've I've seen and heard some great leaders and watched them coach and facilitate, but I didn't kind of buy into some of their their books and and then again you know there are some amazing leaders who also have the gift of being great authors and storytelling and you know i think for me anyway Brene brown is one of those oh and everybody loves the Brene. yeah Brene brown go check out her new book it's really good i think Mm. it's about a year old actually but anyway all right so the second thing you said about others and i just want everybody to make sure they didn't miss what sasha said he says you have to have this desire to serve um, and so this idea of like servant leadership is absolutely huge. So I didn't want you to miss that. And then you mentioned that you said this word that always triggers me. So I just want to hold it up for everybody to hear again. And you've heard this before if you listen to the podcast on the regular, uh, this this concept of willingness. And um, to me, and here's here's the definition I use for willingness, the ability to do what needs to be done without reservation, refusal, or judgment. And so leaders, I mean, like they have to go first, you know, that's the Simon Sinek thing. So I totally agree with all that. Okay. So that's two O's. That's ourselves. That's others. So talk about outcomes for a moment. So how do leaders get positive outcomes? What are some strategies that you try to put in their toolbox? This will get you a better outcome. Yeah. Great question. I get this. I get this too. And when I say, you know, leadership is a relentless focus on the three O's on ourselves, others and outcomes. Really, the way I see it is it's almost an equation. So outcomes are dependent on our focus on ourselves and others, right? It doesn't matter what industry you are in. It could be, you know, incredibly technical and digital and so forth, but people still remain absolutely critical. So to achieve the outcomes, you know, people play a huge role and thus the focus on ourselves and others um, also is, is absolutely critical. Too often where I am in coaching situations, you know, leaders are so driven at the outcomes piece that they don't realize the variables that they are missing. So they're either not self-aware um, or they're not you know, sort of helping nurturing their team um, of, of, of people around them. So you know, the outcomes piece is incredibly dependent 
on our own self-awareness. Again, what we're good at, what we're not good at. When do we need to put our hands up and say, hey, I need your help? Where can we park our own ego and say, hey, I don't need to know everything. I shouldn't be expected to know everything. Um, I should be able to put up my hand and say, I need help. I'm struggling. How can you help me? And who can help me? Um, and it's the same thing for others. You know, how do you elevate others? How do you motivate them? How do you inspire them such that their performance increases, meaning that organizationally the performance increases and you get the outcomes ultimately that you want? So, yeah, it comes back to, to the three O's. But for me, it's, it's very dependent outcomes, dependent on ourselves and others. I hope that makes sense. It totally made sense. Yeah. So I love what he said. He said, uh, it's a formula. So it's O plus O equals O. So that is fantastic. So if you didn't catch that, rewind, listen again. We don't get things the first time. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. All my, right. my, my, so, math, my math algebra brain goes, hang on a second, O plus O equals two O. <laughs> um, but, 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 it, but, but, it, but it really is, you know, like, it, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough the, 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 the focus on the people aspect is where you get um, performance uplift at the individual level and organizationally such that, you know, the outcomes that you that you want are are met and some hopefully yeah exactly exactly all right so tell me what you see out there in terms of trends you know we i i'm declaring covid over in my own life i know other people have remnants of covid i'm not disrespecting that i'm just saying i want to move on i want to move forward um and 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 go to a, a new normal I don't know that we'll have the old normal back, but I'd like to go to a new normal. So if if we're moving forward into 2023, because gosh, it's just February. What what mm. do you see ahead? What what do you think leaders need to be working on in 2023? Yeah. Um look, I don't know if if COVID is over, but even if COVID isn't over, there'll be something else, right? Um, just on the health side of things, you know, there'll be some new virus and um uh, thing that I'm sure will catch us off guard at some point. I, I think just touching on COVID for a moment, you know, I think COVID for most people, wherever you were, certainly in Melbourne, right? Remember Melbourne too was the most locked down city in the world, right? It was, it was nasty. Um, we had a total of, I think, six official lockdowns over the two-year period. Um, I can't even remember the number of days it was, but it was it was a hell of a lot. Um, and it was a struggle. It was really, really challenging. I know that's and, right. And going into COVID, you know, no one was expecting it. No one, no one saw it coming and, and no one was prepared for it. But I think what came from COVID is the work that you and I love doing, the focus on people and leadership and, and great careers really elevated, you know, people kind of had to through through a forced choice, stop, reflect and think about, you know, what what is actually important to them, um, what they want to do. And, you know, we see, you know, workplace flexibility and hybrid working becoming hugely important. You know, now, while you say COVID may be over, is hybrid working or are those future ways of working over? No, absolutely not. Why? Because people voted with their feet and organizations have, have realized that, you know, giving people, empowering people, trusting people with, you know, doing their, their job and, and it may just not be on site. Um, they've seen, you know, performance uplift. There's a 
phenomenal global study at the moment around the four-day work week where people are being paid as if they're working five days, but they're compressing it into four. And all the early signs are amazing. You know, we're seeing reduced um, absenteeism. We're seeing improvements in mental health. Um, we're seeing uh, increased retention rates. And ultimately, we're seeing, you know, huge upshifts in performance. And, and I think that speaks volumes too. So organizations that really embrace this future ways of working are the ones that are going to remain competitive, be incredibly attractive for talent, for new talent and retain really good talent, which then takes me to, to your original question around, you know, what are some of these biggest challenges? I think navigating uncertainty is always one. COVID was a huge um, challenge in that uncertainty realm. And we learned a lot and are still learning from COVID. But the other agenda that I talk to CEOs and C-suite executives all the time about is talent management from the talent attraction. How do we find and attract the best people to how do we retain them? And so much of that depends on great leaders in an organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, one of the things that we do inside of uh, Build a Vibrant Culture is we do some recruiting. And mm. um, uh, one of the leftovers, I think, from COVID um, is like, you know, people have a, a belief there's no good people out there. It's hard to find good people. I could, I, don't you wish you had a dollar, Sasha, for every time you heard that? Absolutely. And we, would, we wouldn't even have to be podcasting. We'd just be sitting on the beach somewhere. But... Mm. Uh, the truth of the matter is there are excellent, amazing people out there, and there could be even more amazing, excellent people out there if if there was a process to develop them. So take me through kind of what you think the ideal employee life cycle is. What, how do you see a company instilling a process uh, that would help them have like what I like to call a vibrant employee or a five-star employee? What, what, what would you do if you were brought in to kind of overhaul their process so that they would have amazing people? Because that's what you need to build yeah. a vibrant culture. Yeah, look, it's, it, it, that's a, it's, it's, it's a tricky question. And, and, and I often have some polarizing views on, you know, Ooh, employee, employee life cycle and, and, you know, what that means and, you know, what's the right amount of years to stay at an organization. Uh, I think it's such a case by case thing. And, you know, it, it comes back to the old saying, if you know, people don't really leave organizations, they leave their managers or leaders. Oh, I um, agree with so, that. So again, you know, the role of one's manager and or leader play such critical roles in, again, the attraction piece, but definitely in the retention piece. And you know, I just go back to my role at, at ANZ in that global head of talent role. Um, you know, we, we, experienced uh, an extraordinary, extraordinarily high um, attrition rate um, for quite a period. And it was a CEO transitional uh, time as well. So we had an incoming CEO who was culturally polarizingly different to the outgoing CEO. And my view is not in a positive way in terms of the, the incumbent. You know, he was one who was purely focused about outcomes and just didn't get or didn't understand the focus on himself um, and certainly in others. It was outcomes, outcomes, outcomes at all costs. And, you know, no surprises to, to me, we had a huge attrition rate. 
People were leaving in droves and going to the competitors. And, you know, it was fundamentally around we just lost the culture that that bank was so well known for and was such an attractive piece. In fact, you know, um, the culture of, I can name the bank, was ANZ, Australia and New Zealand Banking Group, um, was, was a global case study because it was way before its time around this concept of bring your whole self to work. Don't leave the cool part, the fun part, the interesting part of you at home, but bring bring your whole self to work. And so it became an incredibly attractive place to be, a great place to work. But then through the new CEO who was just so numbers focused, old school sort of English banker um, by history. He just disrupted what was such an incredible culture and still a high-performing bank, right? We're not, we're not saying that, you know, um, performance wasn't there. The performance was there and that was, of course, critical for shareholders and investors and, and also employees uh, and customers. But um, this new CEO came in and disrupted the culture. So organizations have a huge role to make the culture a place where people want to come to work. You know, back to your amazing definition of um, willingness, I think that that holds true here. You know, people have to want to go to work. People have to be motivated. People have to see it as a safe place. Um, you know, we talk about psychological safety all the time. That's in the workplace. That's whether you're working remotely, but creating a place where people can be themselves, where they can express themselves, where they can be heard, where their ideas are shared, where they are given really good nurturing, um, great feedback, real feedback. You know, that Brene Brown, clear is kind um, type stuff. Um, that's the important thing that organizations need to focus on. And then I think employee life cycle takes care of itself. You know, if those things are happening and are happening well, uh, then, then employees want to stay and they want to hang around and they want to give their all. If those things aren't happening, um, employee life cycle is pretty poor and possibly short. And you have this revolving door around people coming in and people leaving pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this part about bringing your whole self um, to the process. Uh, so I'm going to go look up that case study. I'm going to try to. Yeah, it's that. called. I, breakout. I love stuff like uh, it's uh, yeah. Breakout. So there okay. was a whole there was a whole internal consulting team who were the breakout, the breakout team and the breakout coaches and facilitators. And, you know, they just embedded phenomenal workshops around, you know, understanding self and um, embracing our individuality and bringing our whole selves to work and being the musician or the artist that we are um, and and bringing that into the workplace in some way, shape or form. Um, and that was championed so well by the, the then CEO. Um, and it just shows the role that culture plays in, you know, being led and demonstrated through behaviors from the top because when they when the new guy came in it was it was gone it was gone yeah and, and two two little stories on this side of the the world came into my mind there was a gentleman that came into a company here near, in charlotte and they had instituted um casual fridays which I mean, that's nothing new. And lots of companies allow you to wear your blue jeans to work on Friday, mm. you know, even at, even at the bank or the credit union mm. or, you know, wherever. And he came back and he said, nope, put your suits back on for Friday. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Everybody, talk about upsetting people. And it's just it's, what pants you put on in the morning. I mean, but people uh, were like, you, you're taking this away from me. 
Oh my gosh. So, it's, so it sounds terrible. it sounds stupid, right? It's um it does. It's something, it's something so simple, but it's actually really soul destroying when you when you take that individual expression away from people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I I can't tell you the last time I put on a suit. It was probably to a wedding or to a funeral, <laughs> um, but, but absolutely, absolutely not in the workplace. Uh, I do all my coaching, facilitating, even to, you know, banking executives who are in suits. I'm in, I'm in my t-shirt and jeans or shorts if it's a nice sunny day. You know, that's, that's who I am. It's how I feel comfortable. Um, and I don't think it's about how I dress as opposed to, you know, kind of what sort of uh, insights I'm, I'm there to share. That's right. That's right. And then hmm. the other other kind of story, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, is, um, you know, Zappos, one of their core values is um, be a little weird. And so, you know, that's a little bit different than bring your whole self. But like, I love the fact that they're one of their core values be a little weird and they yeah. and they want you to decorate your cubicle and be crazy and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And yeah. um, and people so enjoy that. We're all made so uniquely. It's amazing. Embracing yeah. and nurturing people's individuality in the workplace and making it safe to do so, I think is just incredibly important um, and creates a culture of, hey, you know, this is such a cool place to be. You know, I am, uh, I'm not judged for, you know, who I am or what I wear or uh, how my cubicle is, is um, set up. You know, I'm actually encouraged to, to bring that to work. And I think that's, I think that's, uh, again, such a small little thing, but you know, when you add it up over hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of employees, it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know everybody is loving hearing your thoughts and your insights on leadership and coaching, facilitating, employee development, talent management, all these things. Ah, but we're at the top of the hour. I, but I want you to just download one more nugget. I mean, they're like, no, have, a, have him tell us one more nugget. We want a nugget. So tell me one more thing that you think leaders should think about as they uh, continue to develop themselves as leader leaders and try like try like all get out to build a vibrant culture how what would you suggest yeah um look I, I go back to 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 one of the gurus I mentioned you know Brene Brown um and I think courage is everything um so courage in the clear is kind sense so you know that's about ourselves so what am what am i good at but what am i not good at let's be really real about it and let's share that with the people that i'm working with um talk about it openly i'm good at this this is something that i'm just not good at and i need help that vulnerability um is is just so so important um again you know if you're in a leadership role forget your title it is a choice um, and you really have to be vested in that choice. I want to serve others. I want to lift others. I want to elevate others in order to get great outcomes. That's what my gift is. And that's, that's what I love doing. Um, and that sort of stems onto kindness too. You know, I think there is a lot of crap and bad things going on in the world. And of course that always takes, uh, media's, um, the, the media's attention for some reason. I'd love to see more kindness. Kindness can go such a long way. And last but not no, by no means least, and particularly for me during COVID, which was uh, a personally really challenging time, you know, our focus and relentless focus on mental health and well-being, which I haven't somehow touched on throughout this whole conversation, is 
is unbelievably important. Um, we mm-hmm. need to be in a good state of mind um, in order to, to to be in our role, which is serving others. Um, so being mentally mentally healthy is 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 super important. And whatever that may may uh, involve. Um, you know, that could be physical exercise. It could be meditation. It could be taking more breaks. It could be getting away. It could be speaking to counselors, mentors, friends, but that mental health and well-being is intrinsically linked to performance. So if mental health and well-being is low, performance will definitely be low, if not immediately, certainly over a sustained period of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love what you're saying. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I share with leaders is, you know, you got to do check-ins, you got to do one-on-ones, you got to, you got to cool your jets on all of your third O outcome meetings and just have some meetings with people, Mm. (laughs) see how they're doing, right? Check in and love on them a little bit. It will go so, so far for you. All right. This, this has been the wisdom downloaded from Melbourne, Australia from Sasha Kaufman. I'm so grateful that you are on the build a vibrant culture podcast. If somebody's like, well, how do I get a hold of him? How would we get a hold of you? Um, look, you can share my LinkedIn. Um, I'd, I'd love to love to talk to anyone. Um, and I, and I do try and make time. So please reach out. Um, uh, I will, I will do my best to, uh, to get a hold of you, but thank you so much for having me. Thanks for doing what you're doing and, you know, kind of getting some, some, some great other guests onto your podcast and sharing these, uh, really important messages about great leadership and, um, and, and great living. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So just reach out to him. It's Sasha Kaufman. Let me spell it for you. S-A-C-H-A Kaufman, K-O-F-F-M-A-N. And he is over there on the LinkedIn. Uh, And if you can't find him, I'm a first relationship with him. I'll hook you up. All right. It's been great (laughs) to have you. Everybody have a great day. Please like and subscribe to Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.